We are in a series called Asking for a Friend, and we're asking those questions, or we're answering those questions that sometimes we're, we're afraid to ask because we feel like we should know the answers to, and uh, it reminded me, I actually had a pastor friend of mine, he's a Baptist pastor, and he had somebody ask him one day, he said, well, I'm asking for a friend, uh, my friend wants to know, do you have to be a Baptist to go to heaven? And he said, well, you don't have to, but I don't think I'd risk it. <laughs> I hope you don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven, or we're in trouble, huh? Um, I also heard somebody else uh, went up to a preacher, a pastor, after church one day, and he said, uh, hey, my friend wants to know, too, uh, do you have a real job, or is this all you do? <laughs> Nothing like getting asked that on a Sunday morning, right? Pastor job is the greatest gig in the world. Work for three hours every Sunday morning and golf the rest of the week, right? Amen? Uh, I wish. No, it's not like that at all. But, uh, so the question we're asking today is, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? And uh, my text verse, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read my text verse this morning. It is in Hebrews 10, verses 22, 23 excuse me, to 25. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I could stop right there, and we have had church. Powerful words from the writer of Hebrews. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So this is not the first time in history that people have stopped or slowed down coming to church. It happened all the way back here. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we do love you. We thank you for your presence in this place, God. Jesus, we need you so desperately. We recognize our need for you today, Lord. And as, we, as you've met us in this place, I pray that you would meet us again. That, we would, that you would meet us through this time of preaching your word. And Father, I pray that you'd move me out of the way so that you could do your work in our hearts that you want to do today. And we promise to give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said? Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. So let me just set the record straight, first of all, this morning, okay? Uh, we, I understand that most of us in this room, maybe even all of us in this room, know and believe that we do not have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Uh, church attendance is not a prerequisite for getting into heaven. Praise God for that, right? If that were the case, the thief on the cross would have been in bad shape. And there'd be no need for uh, prison ministry to people that have life sentences, <laughs> Because you could never going to be able to participate in a church service. So we know that salvation does not come from being in church. The Apostle Paul was very clear in Romans 10. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is the prerequisite for salvation. And I am thankful for that. There's countries in this world where you can't even go to church. So we know that the going to church does not... Make it safe. So maybe a better question would be, um, is going to church really all that important? Does it really matter all that much that I'm consistently connected and involved in my church? I mean, isn't church full of hypocrites anyway? Any hypocrites in the house? We should all be raising our hands. We're all hypocrites, right? Because we all know our heart. I say this all the time, but I know my heart better than you know my heart. And I know there's hypocrisy in here. We all have it. We don't, we're not part of church because we're perfect. But we know there are a lot of people that would ask us, What's the, what, why is it really that important? Some of you here today, even though you're here today, some of you watching online may be asking that same thing. Is it really all that important? And for those of you that, that understand the importance of it, 
and don't and feel like, yeah, I, I, I get it, and you've been coming to church, you know, consistently for 50, 60 years. But there are people in your life that don't know. People in your life that are asking that question. Do I really need to go? What's the big deal? And, and I, I'm hoping to cast some vision today for us that we would be able to answer that question, that we wouldn't have to avoid that conversation with people in our life that we know don't have the same feeling about it as we do. That we'd be able to articulate and talk to them about the importance of it without browbeating them or making them feel bad, but to be able to explain to them why we believe that it is so important. And we're going to do that today. We need to know why we believe it's important to go. That it's not, uh, that it's not just some tradition we hold on to, but that it has the, it, there is power and, and the, the ability to change lives and, and to promote our life in a way that will glorify God through being connected to the body of Christ. You know, the, the question was posed one day to D.L. Moody back in the day, and a uh, very wise man, very godly man. Somebody asked him, they said, what, what's the big deal? Like, why do I really have to be in church? Do I have to be part of a church to be a Christian? And D.L. Moody didn't say anything, but there was a fireplace in the room, and he just walked up, grabbed the tongs, and pulled a hot coal out of the fireplace and set it up on the mantle and went back and sat down and just watched it. And everybody else watched it too. Nobody was there to say a word because they were waiting for him to talk, and he just watched it. And they watched this hot coal that was orange hot when he put it on the mantle. They watched it slowly dwindle till it was just a smoldering black piece of charred wood sitting there. And then he went back to it, took the tongs, put it back in the fireplace, and what happened to it? It lit right back up. It glowed again. And that is a wonderful illustration of the importance of the church. To think that we're going to burn hot for God, to think that we're really going to have an impact in this world because that's what we're called to do. We're not called to just try to make ourselves feel good about our faith. We're called to impact our world. And to really be able to do that, to think we can do that on our own apart from the body of Christ is a fallacy. We can't do it. We are better together. We are designed to be together. In fact, the Bible talks about the church being the body of Christ. Okay? Not the church, not this building. This building could go away today. We could still have be a church. right? Because we are the church. The people of God, the people that love Jesus, we are the church. So this building could go away and we'd still be the church. But we are the body of Christ. In fact, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 12. He says, the body is a unit. Here he's talking about the literal flesh body. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So we are the body of Christ. In fact, if you go down to verse 27 in that same chapter, he says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. So it's not just for the super spiritual that are the body of Christ. It's not just the paid ministers, the vocational ministers that are the body of the Christ. It's all of us. We all are part of the body of Christ. And in Colossians, it tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. So he's the head and we are the body. That tells me that we are designed to be together. We are designed to function together as a body. You know as well as I do, if any part of your body is missing, it would affect your body. And that part would be obsolete. That part would be ineffective. I mean, not to get gross, but if I was able to remove my leg and leave it at home on my dresser when I went to work, that leg would not have served much purpose, would it? That paints quite a visual, I know, but uh, I'm trying to get my point across. I got to shock you so you remember this, okay? Um, 
But, but that part would not be effective. And not only that, my body, the rest of my body would be adversely affected too because that part is missing. Maybe the reason the church hasn't been as effective in this, in this country and in our world is because there's too many people that are supposed to be part of the body that are not part of the body. And so we're less effective because, you know, everybody has different giftings that God has given us that I'll get into in a little bit too. But because if, if those giftings are missing in the church, we're not as effective as we could be to reach the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to reach the world. We are called to use our giftings, and every one of you has a gift. Every single one of us have a gift that God has given us that is to be used for his glory and for his kingdom. But if we're not being part of the body, that gift is not being used. So we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, church, what is the goal of our faith? And that sounds like a very basic question. And I know the church answer. I know the Sunday morning answer. But we need to look at our hearts and say, what is the goal of my faith? And we also need to ask people that may ask us about church and the importance of church, what is the goal of your faith? If you don't want to get connected, because there's people that they don't want to be connected to the church. There's people that will say, oh, I love God. You know, I love Jesus, but I can't be part of the church. You know, I'm not part of organized religion. There's too much... Too much stuff going on. I can't do that. But I love Jesus. You can't love the head and not love the body. They come. We're a package deal. <laughs> we are a package deal. Whether we want to be or not, we are part of Jesus. And so for those that would say, I just want to be with Jesus and not the church, they're missing it. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the goal of your faith? Is it just for salvation? I hope not. And I probably not for those of us that are in here today. It's probably not just the goal just to be saved, just so we don't have to go to hell one day, just so we can go get into heaven. Hopefully, our goal of our faith isn't just for salvation, maybe a little bit of blessing. You know, that we just want to be on the fringe, and I'll, I'll partake a little bit, but just to see what, you know, maybe God will bless me if I go to church a little bit, because that's really what I'm looking for. The salvation is meant to be the entry point. It is the gateway to everything that God has for us. Amen? We understand that. You can't experience the character of God, the blessings of God, the body of Christ. You can't experience that unless you go through that gateway of salvation. But we're not designed to just sit inside the gate. You know, if somebody gave you uh, some tickets to Six Flags or Disney World, and you went to go to Disney World or Six Flags, and you left the day before, and you got a hotel because you wanted to get up early, and so you could be there before they opened, so you could be one of the first ones in the gate, and you get up early, and you go stand outside, and you know, it's July, so it's hot, even at 8 in the morning, and, and you're sweating, and you're standing out there, and finally the gate opens, and you're one of the first ones in, and you hand your ticket to the, the, the gate, the ticket taker, and you walk through the turnstile, and there's a bench right inside the gate, and you just sit on that bench, and you plop down there, and you stay there the whole day. How ridiculous would that be? That you went through all that trouble to go to a place like that and didn't even enjoy the park. And then you sat there all night, all day, and into the evening. When it closed, you got up and you left. You went back to the hotel with your family. You got up the next morning, did the same thing all over again. You just plopped right in front of the gate again. We're missing it if we're doing that, right? And let me tell you, being part of the body of Christ, being connected to the body, is like riding the best roller coaster in the park. That's what it's designed for. And unless you hate roller coasters, then it's the air-conditioned show that is really, really good. Okay. <laughs> But it's the best part about being in there, other than getting in the gate with salvation, which is first and foremost. But once we get in, being part of the body is God's gift to us. 
The body of Christ, the church, is God's gift to you and to me. It is his gift to us. And so many of us, we, we, we miss it or we are only willing to receive part of that gift and not really jump in and go deep into the park and enjoy the fruits of God's labor for each one of us. But God designed us all for all of that. And I can't say it enough that the church is so important for you and me as a follower of Jesus. It's so important. And, I, and you know, I know it sounds self-serving. I'm up here standing on the stage saying, please come to church. But it's not about getting people in the seats. I've, I've felt strongly about church long, long before I was ever on a church staff. It's just been a part of my life. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a relief to me if I got up on a Sunday morning and didn't have to go to church. I was disappointed because I believe that it is important to be connected because there's so many benefits of being part of the body, which, which I will get into in just a minute. But, you know, many people are hesitant to connect, to really jump in and be connected to the church. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But we have to ask ourselves even why the disconnect. You know, regular church attendance 25 years ago, to be considered a regular church attender, you went three to four times a month. You know, you might have missed once every couple months, but you were there pretty much every week. You know what they're saying regular church attendance is today? You are considered a regular faithful church person if you go to church twice a month and they've, they've had to do that they've had to they've had to lower the bar because if they didn't then it would look like nobody's really committed to church or that the numbers would be so low but there's been a disconnect in our society there's been a societal shift when it comes to going to church and you know there there could be a lot of reasons for that a lot of reasons a lot of people don't believe church is essential they think it's optional i can tell you i, I could not disagree more i believe that church is essential and I believe that the people being the church is critical. It's so vitally important that we are what God has called us to be, that we are the church. You know, the, the vision of this church is to connect to God and to others, to grow in your relationship, in your faith, to give who you are and what you have, and to build, help build God's kingdom. That's the, the vision of the church of this church, okay? All those require community. You can't really do any of those without community. You could try to do a couple of them outside of community, but it really doesn't work unless you're together. The, the vision of this church is that we would be together to help fulfill the Great Commission, to help fulfill what God has called us to. So we believe that church is essential, and I, will, I won't apologize for it or hold my hat in my hand as I talk to you about it because I believe wholeheartedly in it and always have. And I believe I'm the person I am today because of it, if I'm honest. But you know, a lot of people that do struggle with getting connected, it's because they've been hurt. They've been hurt by church. I, I hear it all the time that people have been hurt by church. And it is very, very real. Whether it's been being spiritually abused by a leader or um, some fraud or greed or whatever it might be that people have seen in the church, hypocrisy, that has caused people to get hurt and caused them to disconnect. That's very real. But I, I can tell you today that most of us in this room have probably been hurt by church at some point in our life. I've been hurt by church. Joy's been hurt by church. My kids have been hurt by church. I know I, countless people that have been hurt by church, but yet some of us don't get disconnected because of it, and some of us do. And see, the, uh, the world, the secular society would even say that being connected is a basic human need. 
Just as much as food and water and being warm, connectedness is a basic human need. It's wired into our DNA to want to be connected with other people, to want to be in relationship with other people. So much so that the UN has declared that uh, putting a prisoner in solitary confinement for, for more than 15 days is considered torture. Psychological torture to keep someone away from human contact for more than 15 days. That's the secular society's stance on it. And we as followers of Jesus know that's true because we know we are wired, we are designed to be in relationship with others. And so we'll pursue relationship with people and people will hurt us too, even outside of the church, just in relationships in general. Marriage, kids, friendships, whatever it is, we'll get hurt in relationship. It doesn't keep us from pursuing more relationships for the most part. In extreme cases, it might. But what we might do is reject that relationship, but we're still going to pursue relationship because we're wired for that. But when it comes to church, and it comes to being connected to the body of Christ, more often than in, the, than in just relationship, if we're hurt by the church, people will disconnect completely. And they'll be offended, or they'll be hurt with church, and they'll completely disconnect and say, I can't be part of that. And I believe that one of the biggest reasons is because people see the church as being the moral standard in our society. They see us as being uh, holy people. You know, we're the ones that have it together. So the, the, the standard is higher, the expectations are higher that people wouldn't get hurt in the church. But what we so often forget is that the church, even though the head of it is Jesus, the body is a bunch of people that are finite and fallible and flawed. And people in church struggle with selfishness and, and greed, and, we, and people hurt people. But people get this expectation that we just have it all together. And so when there's hurt, they can be disconnected. And it's, it's our job as the church to help encourage those people in that so that there's no separate, because the enemy wants to divide. The enemy wants to separate and cause people to associate Jesus with the church in a negative light so that they just walk away from it. And I, I think a lot of that, the, it, it also plays into uh, the same mindset as what causes people to say, you know, I, I really want to go to church, but um, I feel like I got to get some things in order first. You guys may have heard that. I've heard that more times than I can count. You know, I was in the construction world for 15 years, uh, and I was talking to construction guys and contractors every day, all day long. And I would talk to them about church sometimes and, and ask them, you know, where they go or whatever, you know, just strike up conversations. And, and without I, more times than I can count, I would hear them say, you know, I, I really, I, I want to get, get back into church, but I, I got to get some things figured out. I got to straighten some things out first, you know. I got uh, to quit smoking. I can't quit smoking, and I don't want to go to church until I can quit smoking. Or, you know, I'm living with my girlfriend, and, and I know they'll frown on that, so I got to figure some things out before I can get to church. And to me, that is as ridiculous as saying, I got to get myself healthy before I go to the hospital. But church, people feel this way though. They're not making it up. It's because they've been treated that way by us. It's because they've been treated that way by the church. They feel like they've been judged or they've been looked down on because they don't have their act together. When in reality, if they really knew us for who we are, they'd know, oh, you're no better than me right? We're not condoning sin. We're not saying you just come as you are and do your thing and we're just all going to have a big party together. But we are meant to be the hospital. We're meant to be the place where we would say, yes, if you're sick, come here. Because I can't do anything, but the Holy Spirit in me can do a lot. I want to be a church where we are a place where people want to come here because they just want to meet God. Because they know there's a better way than what the world has to provide for them. And they can find that here. Amen? Amen. Give God praise. 
We need to shift that mindset of our society. And some of you may even need that shift today. That it's not about having it all together and looking good and having, having everything just right for a Sunday morning. It's about being hungry for God. That's what it's about. And when we hunger for God, he'll fix us. He'll take care of those things. He'll clean us up. You know, Jesus said to go catch fish. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. You don't have to clean the fish. He'll clean them. Right? It breaks my heart because you know what? One of the other questions I get when I invite people to church, the first question I get every single time without fail, what do I have to wear? What do I have to wear? Can I wear flip-flops to church? And you see their eyes get real big. What? I can wear flip-flops? Are you kidding me? Can I wear a t-shirt? Can I wear jeans with holes in them? They didn't make that up. They got that from us. They got that from people looking at them weird and judging them because their hair was green or blue or some other color that didn't look normal to somebody in church. And so they start to think, and man, nothing makes me happier than being able to say, listen, as long as you're covered, you come on in. We prefer if you took a shower before, but it's not required. Right? The room's big. You can sit in a corner if you don't have good hygiene. Right? But that, that needs to be our heart. And church, we are the ones to change that mindset. We are the ones to let people know, hey, come as you are. Come as you are. Bring, bring all your junk, bring all your baggage with you. We're going to walk, walk with you through it. We're all on this journey together. All on it together. Amen. All right, so I want to give you three, expect, or I'm sorry, three benefits of the church today that hopefully you can take with you and just to encourage you in why we do what we do and why we're here every week. And the first one is equipping and building. Nothing better than being equipped and built up in our faith. Amen? And that's the purpose of the church. In fact, I took those words directly out of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there he's talking about the body of Christ again. So the, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, the pastor, the fivefold ministry of the church. This is ordained by God. He says the purpose of this ministry, the ministry of the church ministers is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. So what I could say is my job is to equip you and build you up so that you can affect your world. That's, that should be one of the biggest reasons that you're here at church, is to be equipped and built up and to be empowered, to be able to live for Jesus and to help those that God put in your life, to help them live for Jesus. That's what we're all called to do. That word pastor in that verse literally means shepherd. So you don't need a shepherd if you don't have sheep, right? A shepherd without sheep is just a weird dude standing on a hillside with a staff. So that, this is Paul even telling us, like, we're meant to be sheep. We're meant to have flocks that come together, the body of Christ being built up by the pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher, that we're being built up. And... The church is not necessarily meant to fix every issue we have. It's meant to empower us, right? To help us to be effective and productive in our life. Effective and productive. And I took those words from the Apostle Peter in his second book, in chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. Look at this. He says, 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. Caps it off with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal and our heart should be to be built up and equipped so that we will be effective and productive. That's the purpose of the church. And, and church, if we don't have that, if that's not in us to want to be that, then we're really missing it. Because your faith is not just about you. If your faith was just about you, and the gospel was just for you, and the, and the first generation after Jesus felt that way, guess what? The church would be dead today. If it's not passed on from generation to generation, the gospel goes away, right? So we are meant to affect and be productive in our life for others. And you know, I, I just want to share my heart for a minute even about this, this season we find ourselves in, in, uh, in these last four, five, six months, whatever it's been. feels like it's been 30 years, but I think it's been about six months now. And, you know, whatever you believe about how this virus started, the fact is that, that is undisputable is that God allowed it, right? God was not taken off guard by this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Nothing happens without his permission. Nothing. And I know if you're like me personally, it would almost be more comforting to think, well, maybe God was distracted and it caught him off guard, you know? Because it's just hard to imagine that he allowed something like this that has been, had such a devastating effect on so many people. But he has. And being in, in church ministry during this season, it has caused me to really go to the Lord and ask him, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what's going on? Because, you know, transitioning into the, the lead role at this church was enough of a, of a heavy thing if things were going perfect. In the midst of a pandemic, it's really been a, a challenge. And so I, I've really wanted to understand why God has allowed this. And let me just say very clearly, I don't feel like I'm a victim in any of this. In fact, none of us are victims in this. We are not victims in Jesus. The fact that we're going through this landmark time in, in history and that generations after this are going to be talking about 2020 and that you're alive during this time says God has a plan for you during this time. It's not by accident that you are alive during this tough season. It's not by accident at all. So none of us are victims of what's happening right now. But we do have to try to see, look and see, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, how do you want me to be effective and productive in this time? Right? And what I feel like God has shown me, and I actually, I feel like it's been confirmed by a lot of Christian leaders that I've listened to and looked at uh, since then, but I feel like God is using this virus and this season that we're in to shake the church. He is shaking the church in, a, in an incredible way that, that I haven't seen in my lifetime, and I, I believe probably haven't seen in, in many lifetimes. Because what I think the, the church had, had gotten to the point, and I'm not, I'm not talking about New Hope, I'm talking about the church, I feel like we got to the point where we were somewhat comfortable in how we were doing things. And there was this false sense of success in some ways because there were people in the building. There were, there were uh, people were coming on Sundays and we could be somewhat effective. And so you get this feeling like we're doing a good thing. When in reality, what was going on was that there were, there have been a lot of people that have been in the church that were doing it more to appease their guilt than really getting connected to the body. And, and a lot of church leaders feel like we've actually 
probably lost a lot of those people. Because what has happened is they've called it the disappearance of guilt. Because those that would want to come to church because it kind of makes them feel better about themselves, they kind of want to check the box off because, you know, my grandma wants me to come or uh, it's just kind of how I've been raised. And so we kind of do that, but we're never really getting connected. What's happened over the last four or five months is that they've had this complete uh, ability to, to stay home on a Sunday guilt-free. Because for a long time, churches weren't even having church. And so there was nothing that you could even, even if you wanted to go to church, you couldn't. And so the, the guilt of missing church has completely been washed away for many, many people. And so what we're seeing in the church is that the churches, we come back to church, the churches are a lot emptier, there's not as many people. And what it's causing ministers to do is say, okay, God, what do we got to do? Because see, God doesn't want people to come to church to appease their guilt. That's not the purpose of church. It's not to, you appease your guilt by going to visit your grandma that you never see, Right? That's appeasing guilt. Church is not meant to appease guilt. Church is meant for us to come together, to be hungry for God, to be able to worship him, to be able to be together in community, to be built up, to be strengthened, and to be effective and productive in our society and in our communities. That's what God, that's the purpose of the church, okay? So it's, it's not about appeasing guilt. And so what's happened during this whole thing is the church has been shaking. A lot of people are missing and gone, and some of those may never come back. So what's it? it's creating a sense of urgency, which is actually a good thing because it's causing us to say, I know I'm finding myself sitting at my desk going, okay, Lord, what we got to do? All right, we've got a whole street out here. Pastor Bone's been talking for years about this corridor, Old Bel Air. It's time, it's time to do something about it. It's time to figure out how we can get people in here and convince them that we do have something better in this place than what they're living and what they're, what they're experiencing in their normal daily life. And so we're not, we, that false sense of security is gone now. And I'm actually thankful for it. I'm really thankful for it. I will say the people that I feel like are coming to church on Sundays are excited to be here. We're having a good time and it's beautiful. But we're going to continue to cast vision about reaching out there. Not just having a club in here. And I know that's not you guys' heart too. You don't want to have a club. We, want, we get excited when we know there are people in here that don't know Jesus. Because we know that Jesus is a better way than the way they've been trying on their own. And so God is shaking the church. And he's, he's wanting to use us to help build his church in a way where we can be more effective and more productive for the kingdom of God. We want to build his kingdom. All right, the second one is that we're stronger together. Second benefit of the church. God's will for us is to be stronger, to grow stronger in our faith. Amen? That's God's will for every single one of us is that we would grow stronger in our faith. You can't grow stronger physically without exercising your muscles. You can't grow stronger in your faith without exercising your faith. And there's no better place to do that than connected to the body of believers. My faith is challenged when I'm connected to other believers that I see their faith. And I see, ooh, they had the faith to do that. Ooh, that challenges me. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to take that next step. I want to be stronger in my faith. Proverbs 27 tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's about strengthening. That's about getting, being better, being stronger in our faith. Iron is a great thing, but iron by itself can't sharpen itself. It needs more iron, right? That's the only way we can really be sharpened in our life. And you know, God has given the, gift, the church gifts, but everybody has different gifts. I mentioned that a little earlier. God has given the church gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, it talks about the gifts that God has given to edify the church. It's about making us stronger. But if, we don't, if we're not connected to the church, to the body, 
the gifts that other people have aren't going to affect us because we're not being influenced by it. We're not being connected to it. Those gifts can only be of value in our life if we're connected to the people that have the gifts. There's, there would be nothing sadder than on Christmas morning getting up and opening all your gifts all by yourself. Right? Part of the fun of Christmas morning is doing it together, sharing those gifts. It's, it's the same way with the spiritual gifts, the gifts for the church. It's meant to be together because it builds us up. It makes us stronger. It makes us stronger. And let me tell you, the greatest strength that we can have as a church is to be unified. Unity is such a big deal. I was on the early service. I, I think we're going to do a, a series or at least a couple weeks teaching on unity very soon because I believe so wholeheartedly in the power of unity and the importance of unity. The world, the secular society even understands the power of unity. Corporations, the Fortune 500 corporations, they spend a lot of resources towards building unity in their team because they know that it will trickle down. It will affect the rest of the organization. That's a biblical principle they've taken. We need to have it too. It should be more in the church than anywhere. In fact, Jesus said in John 17, this is one of his last prayers. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. And he's praying for his disciples. But then he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Amen. We're the ones that believe in Jesus through the disciples' message. It's passed on all the way down to where we are today in 2020. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He gives us, we can read through that verse so fast, not think much of it, but Jesus gives us a lot of meat in that verse. He's telling us the importance of the church being unified. And he's saying one of the biggest benefits of us being unified is that the world will know that God sent Jesus. The gospel will go forth as we are unified. There is a spiritual principle that comes with unification or unity that we can't even necessarily fully explain. But I believe God is, is, he empowers us when we are unified and he does more with less when we're unified than he can do with us if we have the greatest programs in the world, but there's nothing but dissension. Because God wants us to be unified and we cannot be unified if we are not together. If you're not connected, there's no way to be disconnected from the body of Christ and to be unified with the body of Christ. You can't do it. And, I, and, and I, I believe so wholeheartedly in it, and I believe how important it is that we are together physically. Like having, having a Sunday morning where we're coming together is so important. And for those of you that are watching online, I, there's a lot of us that, that can't come in yet today or to, to church, and, and, I, and I get that. I'm so thankful for our online, the ability that we have to, to stream through our website and Facebook and, and then YouTube. It's such a blessing. And we didn't just start this when the pandemic hit. We've been doing this for years and we're so thankful for it. And I'm thankful that you guys can join us. But I do want to challenge you to not settle into that. That as, as soon as possible, that you're able to, that you would come back and be with us in person. Because there is strength in that. There, we cannot be unified if we're all together. We, we love everybody that's watching online, but we want you here. And for those of you that can't be here, God bless you. I know there are, I, I hear every week from people that say, man, I want so bad to be there, but I just can't. Some aren't even allowed to yet by their because of their jobs. And so I can appreciate that, but 
Don't, don't ever settle in to just thinking online church is just the way to go. I'm hearing church leaders say online church is the way of the future and you just need to embrace it and put more resources towards that than even Sunday morning personal in-person service. And to that I say absolutely no way. No way, no way. Because it's just not the same thing. Amen? Pastor Bowen and I were sharing the preaching duties during the, the shutdown, and I can tell you, and he agreed too, it's just, it's not even close to the same thing. Amen. Not even close. And um, so thankful that we can get together in person again. And I, I just encourage you guys in that, because that's the only way we're going to be unified. And really, you know, the enemy, what he does is he preys on those that are isolated. Right. You know, when we isolate ourselves, we are, we are fodder for the enemy. I, I, I've said this before a few times, but I, I love watching... National Geographic and Animal Planet, and it's just kind of fun to watch how the animal kingdom works, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe it's being a guy, too. I really love to watch the predators hunt the prey. Um, I guess it's, I don't know, maybe it's weird, but I enjoy it, and uh, it's just interesting to see how it works, you know, and, and the, the best hunters are the lions and the tigers, and what they do is they will see a herd of whatever it is, and they will, their, their goal is to isolate one of the animals from the herd, and when they isolate one, they've got lunch. It's just that simple. And when the herd stays together, it's a lot harder for them. I have seen them take down a giraffe that got separated from its friends because it was isolated. And that is, you know, the Bible talks about the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking who he might devour. He, he functions that way. He wants to isolate. He wants to get us away, get us disconnected from the body. Because when, we, when he does that, we are easier prey for him. I mean, how, how many of you know, you know, like when you get discouraged, I mean, the, the first thing I do when I get discouraged is I want to sit down with my wife and say, hey, I'm discouraged. And then she can encourage me. Like, if I'm isolated and separating myself from everybody that has a faith in Jesus, who's going to encourage me when I'm discouraged? You know? I mean, we can encourage ourselves, absolutely. But let me tell you, God put people in our life as a gift to help us. You know? And when your wife looks at you like, how can you be discouraged? You're crazy. <laughs> it helps realize, oh, okay, I'm crazy. I don't have to do, be this way. So um, a good wife is a good thing. Amen. One that'll tell you straight what's going on. All right, so third and finally, that we find our purpose. And I'll finish with this. We all have a purpose in the kingdom. Every one of us has a purpose in the kingdom. And it's not just to get through this life to get to heaven. That's, that's the number one, but that's not it. That's the gateway. And it, our purpose is best discovered in community. You know, we here at New Hope, we talk about next steps all the time. You hear us talk about next steps. You probably get tired of hearing it. But you know, the church gurus say you got to keep saying stuff so, because eventually it'll start to sink in and it'll become part of your culture. And that's what we want because we believe in next steps. We believe that we're not at this all the same place, but we all have a next step to take in our faith. We all have a next step. None of us have gotten to that place where, whew, I've arrived. I'm good. Man, if you all could just be like me, you know. None of us are there. There's a next step for every single one of us in our faith. And we have, in church, the, the being connected to the body of Christ helps us to find that purpose, to find that next step that God has for us in our life. And, you know, being at different places in life, the steps are going to be different, you know? For those of you in your, in your senior years, you know, your next step is going to look different than somebody that's in the youth group. You know, youth, you guys are all about community. You know, want to be together as friends and, and grow in community. Nothing better than growing in community with the body of Christ, right? Nothing makes me happier than when my kids are excited to be part of the youth group. 
I'm like, man, that's good, being connected to the body, you know? And for you young parents that have kids and new of kids, you know, we, connecting kids to the, the kids' department is so vital during this time. You know, that their, their next step is, is to be taught and trained and discipled over there on the other side of the building. You know, that's why we started that team kid that, on Wednesday nights. Pastor Rachel, God love her, she's so driven. And these last six months have made her, I'm surprised she has any hair left because I feel like she's pulling it all out, you know? She just wants to, she just loves these kids and wants to be with them so much. And we're doing team kid on Wednesday nights and it's so good where parents can bring their kids and know that they're getting coached and discipled by, by the church and it, with biblical principles. It's so powerful. But we all have those next steps in our life that God has called us to. And you know, the big picture purpose for all of us is the same. Our purpose is to honor, glorify, worship, exalt Jesus. Every single one of us has that same big picture purpose. Now, how that outworks in our individual lives can look different because we all have different gifts. We have different leans. We have different approaches to how we even live our life. But the overall purpose is for us to honor Jesus. And that's why, that's why the church body can be such a gift for us because, you know, we're, we're called to live lives of worship. And the church coming together every Sunday morning is an opportunity for us to worship together corporately. It's such a blessing. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just as excited about the, the singing worship as I am about the sermon worship on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe you weren't raised where you had praise and worship at the beginning of church. I know some churches don't even do that. In fact, I talked to a guy that came and visited our church once. He's a guy I knew from back in the day, and he said that he visited our church, and he said, yeah. He said, I thought it was interesting. You guys have like a concert before church starts. <laughs> and it took me a minute. I thought he was talking about like some special thing we did. And then I thought, oh, he's talking about the worship. Like he didn't have a clue, you know? And so I think we even need to like help people understand why we do what we do. You know, we don't lift our hands while we're singing or clap our hands while we're singing because we're, we're clapping for the praise team that's up here. That's an act of worship. The Bible says, lift your hands in the sanctuary. It says, clap your hands, all you nations, for the Lord is good. That's worship. That's why we do that. And we get this incredible opportunity to engage in that together. I'll tell you, I'll be honest, there's a lot of days during the week, I'll come in here early in the morning just by myself, and the only thing on is the fluorescent light that just barely lights the room, and I'll, I'll play some music on my phone, and I'll worship by myself in here. And I can tell you from experience, it is a lot better on Sunday mornings, partly because I don't have to hear my own voice. But it's such a privilege that we can come together and worship. That's part of our purpose in life. And I don't know how you, I, I, don't know, I don't know many people that I would say, oh, that guy's a worshiper that's not connected to the body. You know, I'm not saying it's impossible, but man, what an incredible privilege that we have to be able to be connected to the body, to worship together. Let me read you one last verse, Philippians 2, verses 9 to 11. One of the best passages in all the Bible. It says, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow how many knees every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess how many tongues all of them that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father see this is this is the verse here is to put us on notice that basically everybody's going to do this eventually but it's a lot better for us if we do it on this side Amen? That's about worship. That's about giving your life. You're, you're, 
You're saying my life is yours. When you bend the knee to Jesus, whether it's physically or metaphorically, you're saying I'm surrendering. You know, Jessica's right. That song we sang, that last song, I've just learned that song today. And I'm reading those, those lyrics going, whoo, that's intense. To say I'm giving you my, my life is yours. I'm giving you my life as a sacrifice. My life is yours. Refine me. Man, when you ask God to refine you, you better be ready. But that's what he's called us to, to live a life of worship to him. Because that's his heart for each and every one of us. Amen? We find our purpose through church. Would you stand with me as I close today? I want to encourage you again, church. The body of Christ is a gift that God has given us. It's a gift. And that's something you can tell those people in your life that don't really understand. You say, it's a gift. It's not, a, it's not an obligation to where we're trying to get you to come here so you straighten yourself up. It's a gift that, that can edify us and build us up. And we are stronger together. When we are unified together, we push connect groups all the time. Like Jessica said, you probably get annoyed that we talk about it all the time. It's because we believe in it. We understand the principle of it. That when we're connected together, we're stronger. And we have to do better as the church in reaching our communities. We have to do better. You know, we're, we're more connected than ever online. You know, everything is online. Everything. I mean, kids are doing school today online. You can work online now. Dating is online. Banking is online. I haven't been in my bank in I don't know how long. I don't even know if they have it inside anymore. You know, everything is online. Church is online. And that's a good thing. But you know, we might be connected more than ever, but statistically it's very obvious that this, society, this, this generation is the loneliest generation in history. Because it's not just about connecting to a screen. It's about connecting with the body and through that connecting to Jesus. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. Can we commit to that today? I know I'm somewhat preaching to the choir here because you guys are here. But I want you to stay here and not just be here on Sunday mornings, but be connected, be here with your heart too. And be committed to what we're doing. And that sounds self-serving, but that's okay. Because it's not for me. This isn't my church. It's not my church. We are the church. I'm just serving. I get to stand on the stage and serve in this capacity. We're all in this together, amen? So let's pray today and let's just commit to God. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you love us so much. God, I know I'm thankful today that I have bowed my knee and I have confessed that you are Lord on this side. And I will continue to do that, Lord. Father, I thank you for the church, that it is a gift that you've given to us, that we are all part of the body, that you've gifted each and every one of us to be a part of the body. I pray, Lord, that we would take it seriously, that we would commit to be in part and to do our part. Lord, we believe church is essential and being in the church is critical. Give us your vision for your church and help us to do our part. Help us to not shy away from the conversations with those in our life that might have questions or doubts. Help us to attack those conversations in love and be able to 
to articulate and declare your purpose for the church and that everyone has a part to play. Help us to be a hospital where people can come for healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, psychological healing. In Jesus' name, that this would be a place of healing for everybody that would come into these doors, Lord God. Fill this place with people that are hungry for you and give us your strategy to reach them. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. We love you. Would you bless the rest of this day for each and every one of us, God. We give you all the praise and the glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Can you praise God today? <laughs>